Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, April 26th. Keep a spiritual bodyguard, especially when circumstances require you to mix with uncongenial people. The magnetism of two is stronger than that of one. When moving in a crowd, try never to go alone. Always have a few friends around you. If you must be in crowds, imagine yourself haloed by an aura of light. Consciously emanate vibrations of love and joy all around you. One evening years ago, I was obliged to enter the nightclub district of San Francisco. As I went, I silently chanted, Sri Ram, Jay Ram, Jay Jay Ram. That means victory to God, victory to God. I was aware of tentacles of negativity reaching out to grab me, but they slipped by without even touching me. Now, I'm sure that many of you hearing these words think, oh, come on, <laughs> like, isn't this like overkill? I mean, most people just move through the world and don't even think about any of these things. And if that's how you feel, that's just fine. Um, you know, this is the way the world is. This is the way the world is. It has its own magnetism. It has its own direction. The vast majority of people on this planet just take, take life as it is. It doesn't occur to them that they should resist or that they should set themselves in another direction. But a small handful of people, and I mean a small handful when you consider the number of people on this earth, I sometimes feel like the whole of Ananda is one pat of butter spread over the entire globe. I mean, that's about how thick, uh, how thick the number of people are who are sincerely dedicated to upliftment. I mean, many people have a small interest, but it depends, it, it depends how serious you are, how sensitive you are, and, and also just sort of what's appropriate in the world that you live in. I remember from a child, I just always had this feeling that the world was not what it seemed. It just, it, it, it looked, I mean, it looked like it was a coherent whole. But there was, there was just always something wrong with the picture. I didn't know how to explain it more than that. And I remember staring out the window of my parents' house, just looking at the neighbor mowing his lawn. And with, with great concentration, I tried to penetrate through the physical appearance of the world to sort of see what the reality was behind it. And I have to say, to, to be quite frank about it, the first consciousness-changing chemical I ever took I mean, wine, beer, marijuana, nothing, was one dose of LSD. And in that dose of LSD, the material world fragmented apart and I saw that, it was a, that the power behind it was light. Now, I've, I'm too fond of my own mind to have really enjoyed alcohol or any kind of drug, but I was of a generation that experimented. 
But that one experience just was, was magnificent because it confirmed what I had always known. Of course, it was just a drug experience, and therefore, when the drug wore off, the material world just closed right up again, but I knew. Swami Kriyananda, in his position as a representative of a very orthodox line of teaching, naturally is not inclined toward, toward drugs of any kind. He's actually commented that he feels a dark energy around those things. He's not here to explain himself, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, however, he has also admitted that for many people, breaking the illusion that this world is what it seems has been a powerful catalyst on the spiritual path. I think I would have come to it anyway, but it would have been about six, perhaps nine months later, someone handed me a book by Swami Vivekananda, and it basically, in words, from a spiritual person who had the magnetism behind it to be convincing in what he said. He was speaking from revelation. He wasn't speaking from intellectuality. He had seen it. And again, it was just like, of course. And I have to also say for me, it was like this huge exhalation because I'd been holding my breath ever since my childhood, just waiting for something to enter my world that I could really um, believe as true. And so that's what came to me. So this is, let me see how to say this. You know, the process of spiritual growth in a person is exceedingly individual. And there's no way we can pretend to be more than we are. And it doesn't serve us to say, I should want this, I should behave this way, I should feel this way. If I were really advanced, I would feel this way. The only question to ask is, who am I? And what is absolutely sincere? I often use the image, and it's a very important one, that an apple seed can become an apple tree. But you can't make it become an apple tree in a cycle faster than it's going to follow. It just is a seed, the seed cracks, a tiny sprout comes out of it, the sprout will grow a little bigger. If it's nurtured and protected in the same way, the sprout will get a little strength, it will become more like a stick, it'll be a tiny sapling, you know, just, you can go through all the stages until you have a big apple tree that you have to reach up to pull the fruit off of from that little seed. And you can yell at that seed, you can insult that seed, you can weep over the seed and, you know, just tell it to be better than it is and it won't change it any a bit. And that's precisely who we are. Our spirituality is a seed that sprouts, that grows within us, and eventually we, we, we all will become mighty trees of spiritual realization. But it can't be done anyway, except, you know, when you look at the a cut piece of log, you see all the growth rings. And that's what we're working with. So when Swamiji gives us a suggestion like this, be conscious of the vibrations of the world around you and how they affect your own consciousness. It's like, oh, I never really thought about that, conceivably, or you already know, and he's reinforcing this. But if this isn't obvious to you, the, the appropriate response 
is to start paying attention. You know, when you go out into groups of people, when you go out into certain groups of people, when you go out into certain environments, how do you feel? Even more than that, what thoughts come into your mind in, when, you're, when you're with those people? When you hear certain kinds of music, when you watch certain kind of movies and television shows, when you're in the midst of a group that's having a certain kind of conversation, be still inside yourself and watch. How does this affect me? And then watch what happens that evening and the next morning and the next day. You know, if you, if you observe the fact that your um, mood and your attitude toward life and your optimism, your vitality, your creativity, if you notice that they, um, that they shift, that sometimes it's more dynamic than others, sometimes you're more optimistic than other times, trace it back. If necessary, keep a consciousness journal. Every few hours, somehow figure out a rating system for yourself that actually works. How do I feel? And what just happened before? And then you, you may begin to discover far more than you're aware of now how many things are influencing you. In Autobiography of a Yogi, one of many really interesting comments that Yogananda makes is to say that thoughts are not individually, they don't really arise from the individual. They are levels of consciousness that we, from which we receive. And whatever level of consciousness we're on, we receive thoughts that reinforce that level of consciousness. If someone, for example, is depressed, everything in their environment will support their, their being depressed. And if their mood suddenly changes, everything in their environment will suddenly be perceived as supporting their positive mood. When nothing objective has changed, except we literally change the radio station or we click to a different website, which is a more accurate thing for these days, you know, we just, we find another input. So what Swamiji is also saying is he's giving us two ways of dealing with the influences of the world around us. One is to increase our our positive magnetism by by keeping with us someone who's who's simpatico to what we want to be because just two people moving through a crowd together they their aura it's it's more than doubled is how i would put it because you you really you feel that energy with you you can relate to that energy everything you see around you you're both looking out and seeing it in the same way it it's it's a totally different experience to move through the world in congenial company, even through crowds of people in congenial company. The other is that you strengthen your own magnetism, and Swami suggests by projecting an aura of bright light. And he gives this experience, which he's talked about at other times. The nightclub district of San Francisco at that time, Swamiji actually, it was a Saturday night, and he had to go into the nightclub district. He was meeting this man who was going to um, teach him to play the guitar, as it happened. And I believe that's why he was there. They were meeting someplace there, and that was the place. Swami himself lived in San Francisco at that time, but in a quiet neighborhood, not down on that street. But but the chant that Swami was singing, Sri Ram, Jay Ram, Jay Jay Ram, he said he was actually singing it quietly under his breath, just walking down the sidewalk. He literally had to walk by a lot of the nightclub entrances where there's somebody standing on the street trying to persuade that it's a tourist area, the tourists to come in. So it wasn't even like there was a, 
a passive energy. There were literally people on the street trying to persuade him that he wanted to come off the street and come into their nightclubs and, you know, come into whatever was going on inside those clubs. So it was an actual force trying to pull him in. But Swamiji actually even said, not only was he not, but he wouldn't have been anyway drawn into those entertainments because they didn't interest him. But he said the more the contrary force came to him, the more uplifted he felt because he was putting out so much magnetism of his own. He was the whirlpool. And so that, as I was speaking of yesterday, so that people's energy coming into him, he was using that energy to uplift himself rather than using that, having that energy pull him down. So the, the real power is the magnetism we can generate from within ourselves, but we need to be very humble and very realistic about this. And this is, we were talking about this the day before, which is, it's not enough just to affirm this, because this is a real metaphysical reality. But we can generate tremendous magnetism within us, and this is one of the things that develops within us, and that we learn on the spiritual path. Swami didn't choose to go down to that area of the city on a Saturday night, you know, just just for no reason. He had a reason to be there. But nor was he at all concerned about going even by himself because he knew that his magnetism upward toward the light was much stronger than any magnetism that could be thrown at him. But that was because of a true experience. Yogananda himself, during his lifetime, he would go down to the district of Los Angeles where many down-and-out people, alcoholics, what I, I, Skid Row is what they called it at the time, where there were many people who were struggling, people who were just struggling to just live day to day. And he would just walk up and down the street, just walk around the neighborhood. He didn't necessarily interact with anyone, but he came down there to bring an uplifted magnetism because he knew that his magnetism to lift these people was stronger than their magnetism to pull him down, and he went there to serve. It was, it was a, he knew how strong he was in himself, which was infinitely strong. So it wasn't just an affirmation or goodwill, but he really, intangibly, he was capable of seeing. So this is what we're really working for, but in the meantime, we have to be realistic, you know. So a spiritual bodyguard is actually a very powerful thing, and I've moved through, I've traveled a lot, I've moved through a lot of different places, and just having a companion is really wonderful. And when I am alone, I, I hold my energy very dynamically. And I, I, I keep a very strong aura of my own going. I tend to be somewhat withdrawn when I travel. I'm not usually very social when I'm among strangers. But I can be. But it's also instinctive within me to just create my own aura and keep it because I have tremendous respect for the power of contrary energies to distract me from my own. We learn this. We learn it through bitter experience. But once we've learned it, we really know. So Swamiji says, keep a spiritual bodyguard, especially when circumstances require you to mix with uncongenial people. The magnetism of two is stronger than that of one. When moving in a crowd, try never to go alone. Always have a few friends around you. If you must be in crowds, imagine yourself haloed 
by an aura of light. Consciously emanate vibrations of love and joy all around you. One evening years ago, I was obliged to enter the nightclub district of San Francisco. As I went, I silently chanted, Sri Ram, Jay Ram, Jay Jay Ram. I was aware of tentacles of negativity reaching out to grab me, but they slipped by without even touching me. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.